Are you ready to take the lead in the dance of life? Fall in love with who you are right now and find uninhibited joy every day? Then it's time for you to flaunt your smart, sexy, and spiritual self. Join radio host Laura Cheadle and learn how the five steps of flaunt can help you quit seeking approval, proving your worth, and release you from the judgment of others. Express all that you are, discover your naked self-worth, and finally, enjoy the life you've worked so hard to create. Hello, welcome to Flaunt, build your dreams and live your sparkle. I'm Laura Cheadle and I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest. If you are a midlife woman, this show is for you. If you like good sex, this show is for you. If you are not yet a midlife woman, but you plan on living into midlife and beyond and you would like to be healthy and happy and have a good sex life and have a really healthy self-concept and have good relationships and to be in touch with your spiritual side, with your smart, sexy spiritual side. Let's just put that all out there. Then this is the show for you. As you know, I am Laura Cheadle. I am a fully recovered corporate attorney turned burlesque dancer and life choreographer. I work with women who feel like they've been betrayed, betrayed by their body, which is something that we're going to talk about a lot today, betrayed by life, or in many cases, as was the case with me, betrayed by their partner. And what I do is I help women untangle themselves from the past strip out of the pain, embrace their sexy, and then re-choreograph life on their own terms so they can be happy and enthusiastic for the rest of their life, no matter what they have been through. Today's guest is Dr. Susan Hardwick-Smith, and she is an award-winning, board-certified OBGYN, author, and a life coach. Now, she has started one of the largest all-female OBGYN groups in the country, and she's also a founder of a skincare line um, with products that are certified organic, transdermal hormones that support optimal aging, and she is passionate about menopause, menopausal health, sexuality. She's the author of the book, Sexually Woke. I love that name, don't you? Awaken the Secrets to Your Best Sex Life in Midlife and Beyond. So in just a few moments, I am going to bring her on. But before we do, I want to remind you, this show is sponsored by Flaunt Studios. And in April, every single one of our classes are free. Do you know why they're free? <laughs> They're free because I just got the trademark to Yoga Lask. And I'm so excited about that. I'm putting all of the classes free for the month of April. Friday night, four o'clock mountain, six o'clock Eastern, burlesque and bubbly. Come join us. Think about a sexy line dance. And then Sunday at nine o'clock mountain, 
which is 11 o'clock Eastern. And that's in the morning. We're doing a yoga-esque class. And that's a great way to get into your body, to get into your heart, to get into your spirit and process emotions. So flauntstudios.com. I'll send you the Zoom link. Totally free. Totally no obligation. And now that business is taken care of, I'd like to welcome Dr. Susan Hardwick Smith and to talk about being sexually woke. Welcome to the show. Wow, what an amazing introduction. So I was listening to that and thinking, I want to do yoga lusk. What an amazing thing. Yay. Like all of the things you're talking about are exactly up my alley. And I'm going to come do that sometime. But Good. Yes. Thank you for such a lovely welcome. And I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. I, I, I was reading through your book last night and I love the intersections, the intersections of medical knowledge, spiritual knowledge, self-reflection. There's just so much that goes into making us happy and healthy in midlife and beyond. And I love that you just call out having a healthy sex life. It's something that so many people want. And like you talk about in your book, so many people are ashamed to talk about. And I'd like to start there. Just all of the information, all of the wisdom that you want to share. Why is it that sex is such an important part of life that so many people have questions about that, according to your research, so many people are unsatisfied with, yet so many people have difficulty talking about? Yeah. And that's a lot of questions. And I love I that. Know. <laughs> so, let's see how I can put that together without going on a giant monologue. Cause I feel like you and I could talk about this for hours or days again. So I'm 53 and um, like Laura mentioned, I'm a, I was trained traditionally as an OBGYN. I went to a traditional, very good medical school where we learned to be right about everything. We learned to have no curiosity whatsoever, but just to follow exactly what we were told. And that led to, uh, me thinking I knew everything about menopause, but what happened when I turned about 45 and I started experiencing just all of the symptoms that we know about, I had a menopause that I can only describe as a complete crisis. I mean, everything changed. I had no sex drive. I couldn't sleep. I had night sweats, all, every single thing you can imagine, mood swings. I was, uh, I didn't even like myself. I didn't initiate sex for about 10 years. I just thought that part of me was dead. And I'm an expert, right? I'm a gynecologist. I'm the person that you're coming to for help. Yet I couldn't even help myself. And so I got so passionate about trying to find a way to help myself. Honestly, it was a little selfish in the beginning that I, I knew there must be a better way to take care of patients and to help women in the second half of life because I was facing it myself. And uh, so all going back to all of your questions, um, you know, very long story short about how the book came about, I decided I had to find this small group of women who had already figured out how to have a really healthy, happy, vibrant relationship with sexuality and with the second half of life. And they were hard to find because in my study, which was quite large, only 7% of women in the 45 to 60 age group that we targeted really felt that way. The other 93% didn't. And I don't want to make that sound pessimistic. I'd rather the opposite, which is that if 7% of women can do it, you can too. And so the sexually woke group, that's what I called them because that's how they described themselves. Actually, one of, mm -hmm. one of my patients described herself that way. I thought it was brilliant. The sexually woke group had figured out a way to put all this together. Like you said, it, it isn't just 
you know, medical science. It's not just our anatomy, although that's important. So our anatomy changes with age. Our biggest sex organ is our brain. And so, so much of it was just developing a really healthy relationship with ourselves first. That's actually one of the secrets of the sexually woke. It really becomes a spiritual practice and moved me well out of traditional medicine into a world of complete openness and curiosity to all of the other things that we could do. Like maybe we should do yoga less that should be prescribed instead of just a antidepressant or what, what your doctors might traditionally give you. So, you know, I moved, I had a huge shift in my own mind and the way that I treat patients from uh, treating sickness, which is what I was trained to do to inspiring wellness and that vein realized that it was all you know mind body connection so much of it is a spiritual experience and um before going on too much longer yeah why don't we talk about it um because i think we're trained to think that we're the only one i thought i was the only one something's wrong with me no one's talking about it doctors aren't talking about it and so all these feelings i was having like not wanting to have sex anymore and and my vagina was dry and I couldn't have an orgasm as easily. I didn't want to talk about it because I was ashamed. I thought something was wrong and I sure as heck didn't want to tell anyone. And, you know, the worst thing is once in a while I did bring it up and I was completely dismissed by physicians, for example, who say, oh, you know, you're fine because you're 48. That just happened. So it's just normal. And, you know, you could go take a bridge or tennis or what old people do, but it, that just made it even worse. And like, now I really think something's wrong with me because my doctor just said, I'm fine. And so all of that plays into the secrecy around our sexuality. And so I'm so excited that women like you are providing a space where we can just stop making it a secret. Our sexual being is part of who we are and we need to nurture it and talk about it. And um, we have a saying in my office that she's not dead. She's just taking a nap and we can wake Mm -hmm. her up. So if you feel like that part of you is slipping away or even if you feel like that part of you is gone it's just not possible it's part of who you are and we can push it out of our uh, awareness and have all kinds of stories about why that's gone but I promise you it can come back and that's been the most amazing transformation for myself personally and now I work in a field where I help to pass that on to other women to share the love because I want everyone to feel as good as I do and I felt horrible I can't even tell you with a capital H and now I feel fantastic and I'm not doing anything different than you could do. I can, I can tell you how to do this. Um, I don't want to tell you anything, but I can share with you how to do this if you want to. I love that. Let's break this down a little bit. First body, then we'll go into the mind and then we'll go into the spiritual aspect of things. One of the things that you talked about in your book that I appreciated was the concept of you're not broken. It's yeah. Everybody has these things, these feelings, these, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, we all have it and it's normal and it's normal and it's treatable. And, and that's such it could be such a juxtaposition in a way, but it is normal. And if you are experiencing these menopausal symptoms, the vaginal dryness, the lack of the libido, the insomnia, the hot, whatever it is, yes, it's normal. And we can work on that. You don't have to suffer. And you I know, guess- I, you know, a um, way I like to phrase that, that really helped me to understand that 
because patients tell me all the time and I was told too, oh yes, this is normal. It is normal to have these things if normal means average and most people have them, but it's not optimal. So, so I, I say all the time, yes, it's normal, but it's not optimal. We weren't made to live this long. Let's face it. Like, you know, our, I don't know our creator, but I imagine the idea that was that we were supposed to die around now. And so this whole living after 50 thing is completely new. It's only been in the last 200 years that we've ever had to figure out how to live optimally after 50. And let's face it, some things change and some of our hormones decline and all kinds of other things happen. And we've got to reframe the way we're thinking about getting older I believe, as being the best part of life that we can optimize. And now, thank God, we've got some wisdom that we can carry with us too, as well as this amazing opportunity to live the best second half of our lives. But yes, it is normal and it's not optimal. And I think those two things can go together perfectly. I love that. Very well said. So starting with the body, what are some of the common things that women experience after 40? Because I would like the listeners out there to be able to say, oh, that is something that I have, but I haven't even admitted it to myself. And it's good to know that it's normal and it's good to know that it's not optimal and I can adjust that. So let's start with the physical stuff. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I'm glad you mentioned 40 because it could be 40 ish or sometime mm-hmm. around then, sometimes even mid thirties. So I think of um, our hormonal life in several sections. So it's just starting with being postmenopausal, which is where I am. My ovaries have completely stopped functioning. I don't produce any hormones at all. So I have no estrogen, no testosterone, no progesterone. That's pretty straightforward. I'm starting from nothing and I do take hormone replacement. I feel fantastic with it. So, so that's menopause. Now, what about before that? Cause a lot of uh, doctors recognize menopause and they might even be able to offer you some help for that, but we start feeling different way earlier than menopause. So the average time of menopause is 50, 51, but even at 35 or 40, our ovaries are not functioning as well as they did when we were in our most fertile time, you know, in our twenties. So our ovaries don't produce as much progesterone. We start suffering with heavier periods, often more irregular periods, sleep problems, mood problems, weight gain around the middle. That's almost universal. There's various reasons why that happens. Our sex drive goes down almost universally. And there's lots of reasons for that. Biologically, we're not fertile anymore. So I think that old animal brain part of our brain just says, hey, we're not fertile. So we don't need to waste energy on having sex, but we've graduated so much beyond that as humans to a different state of evolution where sex is about so much more than procreation, but all these things happen in our forties. And we sometimes think we're going nuts. You know, we can feel moody. We we're gaining weight. We don't want to have sex. We're not as energetic as before. Our periods are changing yet. We go to the doctor. Maybe they even check our hormones and they say, everything looks fine. You're fine. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're like, I don't feel fine. <laughs> so, right. um, so anatomically, the main complaint that I hear, and I had it too, and out in my 40s before menopause was weight, redistrib- weight redistribution. Maybe you don't even gain weight. Maybe you do. Most of us do. Uh, but we become more fat and less muscle. We start losing muscle because our testosterone is declining. And if you're like me, I, I mean, very athletic. I work out all the time. I try to eat well, but I was still getting more fat percentage wise on a body comp machine and less muscle. And it's scary. And it's it's so scary because I I used to be able to control that, right? If I went on a vacation and ate too much, I knew that I could 
lose five pounds in a week if I just did the right things. But now I can't anymore. It's like, what's happening? It feels like a loss of control. I would think I had crazy thoughts, Laura, like maybe I'd wake up in the morning and I'd look in the mirror and I suddenly would be, you know, a hundred pounds heavier. I just, I couldn't understand where that was coming from. And there's right. really reasons uh, why that happens. Now, then as we get a little bit older and our hormones start to decline even further and our estrogen drops, the main complaint that I hear is around vaginal dryness and pain within a course, which is such a deal breaker for an intimate uh, open connection because you know that tight position of oh no it's going to hurt that is not a very no. good position for having an open delicious wonderful relationship so no vaginal pain and dryness are, are the two most common complaints and then just lack of blood flow to the clitoris which results in a more difficulty uh, getting to orgasm sometimes we cannot even reach orgasm and that's very disappointing our partners get upset about it too because they just want to please us and then the whole thing can become a big elephant in the room before we know it, we're sleeping in different rooms and we've all heard stories or have maybe even experienced how that happens. And all of that is normal, but mm -hmm. it's not optimal. It's not optimal. It's not helping us live in our full aliveness where we can really experience every part of what being a human has to offer. And um, yeah, that's the physical stuff. Yeah. And what I was thinking as you were going through all of those physical things is they all inspire negative thoughts. You know, if you are having a hard time reaching an orgasm, what are the thoughts? Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Does my partner hate me? This weight redistribution. I, I bet, you know, he or she is disgusted with me. Oh, I'm disgusted with me. What's wrong with me? I have no control. I'm a fat slob. This is so, I mean, we get so critical to ourselves. And then same thing, you know, loss of libido. What's wrong with me? I, I think I, maybe my marriage is wrong. Maybe this is wrong. It's, I'm crazy. What's going on? And then your mind starts going. So I think that's kind of the next thing I want to move into, or what are some of the normal states of mind? And again, what are some of the things that we kind of do to help curb that? Yes. Yeah, so going back to normal being average and optimal, uh, average and not optimal. So normal yes. being average, yet not optimal. The a typical state of mind would be exactly what you described. There's this so prevalent, like almost universal feeling that we have that something is wrong with me. And the beautiful thing in my work is that I get to talk to so many women every day and everybody feels the same way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> More or less. Of course, we're all different, but it's such a beautiful feeling if we get together in a women's circle or a group like this to realize, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one. There's nothing wrong with me. Other people feel this way too. But that um, is you know, I'll tell you one of my th stories that we, we tell these stories to ourselves, right? About um, not being enough, not being worthy. Um, a lot of us, as we get older, maybe we get a little bit more belly fat. I would change my sexual positions. I don't want to be on top because I, or certainly not if the lights are on because my belly hangs down. And mm -hmm. I, I would start having thoughts about things like that, like that would really change my behavior, or I don't like the way my boobs look hanging down, or all these things are so common. Um, and if we can understand that it's not personal, and I, I love that idea that this is not personal, it's not your problem, it's the problem, and it's not even a problem, it's, it's, it's the situation that we all share. And if we can lighten up on it being so personal, it's not just you, I promise you, there are millions of women in the world feeling the same crazy feeling thoughts and as soon as we can 
recognize that they're just crazy feeling thoughts and we all share them. It becomes so much less weighty and so much more light and it can almost become kind of funny. So, I mean, my, sometimes I have these thoughts still, it's not like I'm enlightened, but when I hear those little voices now saying, oh, you're not good enough or you don't look good and, you know, you can't wear a bikini. Mm-hmm. I can listen to that little voice and just kind of chuckle. It's like, okay, critical voice. I, I hear you and I don't have to do what you say anymore because that's not who I am. That's a critical voice. That's part of my conditioning from growing up in society and what culture's taught us about the way we should be. And I should is such a delicious word to dig into, but oh, yes, uh, we can shake some of those ideas off a little bit and then just lighten up around them a little bit. And um, when I'm, and I do coaching too, uh, one of the most juicy things to get into with uh, women who are looking for a coaching relationship is listening to those voices, like listening to our thoughts without jumping on the train with them and just Mm -hmm. realizing that our thoughts are not true. They're actually just a bunch of stories and mostly fiction turns out and we don't have to believe them. And then it becomes sort of fun to listen to our thoughts and not participate in them. Um, and just can really drop down into figuring out who am I really, not these thoughts, but like who's deeper down underneath there. And that's where all the good stuff starts, I think. And I don't think you can really do that till you're a grown up. I don't know. I couldn't do that when I was 20. So I'm so happy to be 53. I just think it gets better. It does. Oh my gosh. It gets so much better. And I think for me, I've got a willingness to look at things and within myself to look at the, the negative grouchy things that I do, the way you, you talk about, you know, codependence and a whole bunch of great things in your book, the ways that I try to control people, the way that I try to manipulate her. And as you're younger, for me, at least, I would think, oh, I can't even look at that part of my personality because that's a negative, bad personality. And I don't even want to admit it to myself. Whereas now I can say, whoa, there goes Laura being manipulative and judgmental stop that. That's not who you are. And I'm more okay to recognize those not optimal parts of my own personality. And we all have those, right? And I love that um, idea that we all have these different parts of ourselves. And I actually gave my names. I wrote about that in the book. That's a wonderful exercise that was offered to me by one of my coaches to you know, I have all these different personas. I've got a, a grumpy one and a grouchy one and a critical one and, and various others. And and then a, a separate and deeper than those is like my best self. And do I always operate as my best self? No, I don't. In fact, this morning I got really irritated with a vendor and I raised my voice and I, I went and apologized, but that was my critical grumpy voice. But, mm-hmm. you know, recognizing that those are part of who we are and they're all trying to help us they're all trying yes. to help us they're just not very wise they're all stuck at some lower level of development and some of them are most of us have a little inner child you're the one that might throw a fit now and then and kind of act like a five-year-old I have one. Oh yes we all do but not to hate her we don't I don't hate her out of existence it'd be much more helpful to give her a hug and just say hey it's okay little Susan I I, I see you're hurting and um it sounds crazy but we it's a really helpful practice to just integrating all of these parts of ourselves so we don't have to hate parts of ourselves like you were saying like I hate that part I'm not even going to look at it the part that mm-hmm. is judgmental and critical and I have all those parts too guess what we all do right so, you know, it's so exhausting walking around pretending to be perfect all the time. Right. And it's just a waste of energy. And I much prefer just to walk around 
much as I can in my best self. And when I'm not able to do it, to, you know, to recognize, recognize it, be aware and then regroup and, and, you know, not make sense. It's, it's kind of funny. It can, it can become kind of comical yes. and, and light when we look at ourselves that way and, and love all the parts. We want to yes. love all the parts. Yeah. Yes. Yes. A, a story about that. And then I'm going to shift into the whole spirit aspect of things, but a story about that. And I have not named mine yet, but I am aware of them. And I love that you suggested naming it because listeners, I would encourage you right now during the show or when the show is done to start noticing who pops up for you the rest of today, whether you're driving home or dealing with your kids or a partner or your parents, notice who is showing up and start in with that exercise because I, I, I think you will find some profoundly interesting characters that show up in your world. Um, and if you've been listening to my show for a while too, you know that I call a lot of those different characters your alter ego and your burlesque name. And I give you, we've got the different burlesque identities. And since burlesque is about making a parody about situ things that are situations that you would normally find tragic, I think that's a great way to do it too. Because like Susan said, it is kind of funny. The other day, my husband was thinking about buying a plane ticket to go see his dad and his brother for their birthday over the weekend. I had this fear that kicked in. Oh my gosh, there's coronavirus. If he's going to be on a flight and then he's going to see them and then he's going to fly home and then he's going to expose me. And all of these fears came in and I started being grouchy about it. Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. Blah, 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 blah. Instead of vocalizing, I'm nervous over that. I became a kind of person that I'm not. And then later on, I was able to recognize that and apologize. And it's all okay because we've all been there. And like Susan said, a vendor came, she raised her voice. She apologizes. We all understand. And I think that's also one of those stories that we tell ourselves is that we have to be perfect, that everybody else is going to judge us. And that if we're not perfect, suddenly we're not going to be accepted where I think the opposite is true. So exhausting. And I, you're right. Perfect is not human. I like you. We've got to be uh, okay with being a bit messy. And I grew up in such a not messy household. I don't know if any of you share this, but my house, there was no room for us. We didn't have negative emotions. We didn't express anything that wasn't neat and tidy. And so that became a very important part of who I thought I was. And so it wasn't okay to admit that I sometimes act like a five-year-old, or I sometimes yell at people when I shouldn't. And, you know, but just lightening up around that and realizing that we're, we're human beings and be okay with being messy. And, you know, sometimes it's messy to, and dig up these things and find these, I call them personas. You're, I love your way of describing that. But in, unless we do that, I really don't think we can live. And I love talking about our full aliveness, like, and all of it, like we've got to incorporate all of the parts, not X out parts of ourselves that we don't want to look at because they're still there. And as mm -hmm. long as we don't accept them, they're going to just hang around and cause problems. <laughs> once we accept them, they're just kind of okay. And they'll sit down and start being a lot more quiet and probably not pop up as much. Mm -hmm. They're just paying attention. Yeah. Especially your little child. So that's a whole nother talk, but yeah. Yes. Spend some time with her. 
Yes. And you talk about in your book, uh, just that digging in, looking at the way that you were raised, looking at how your parents doing the best that they can do didn't educate you or nurture you in the way that you most needed, because that's just kind of life. And that even though we think we're doing a great job with our own families, we're doing the best that we can, that I, we all can rest assured that as adults, they will have needs that weren't met because we didn't know either. And that's just kind of human nature and it's the way things work and it's too bad, but there's also nothing wrong with it. Yeah. I mean, there's, talking about parenting, my goodness. Um, yeah, I, I spent most of my adult life unraveling what I consider to be my poor parenting. And I joke, sometimes my kids are probably going to do the same thing. Totally. I, I went way the other direction and did like many of us do. I did completely the opposite of what my parents did. And, and my children are great, but for sure, they're going to have some stories to tell their therapists and things when, when they get older about my less than perfect parenting. <laughs> and that just normal because I'm not perfect. And trying to be perfect is exhausting and fruitless and it's hopeless and won't get you anywhere. It's much more peaceful and such a nicer, more relaxing way to live to just understand that you're not perfect and that's just okay. And the awareness of the times, you know, certainly we don't want to create harm uh, by by using, uh, you know, inappropriate language like I did this morning when I was yelling. (laughs) this guy who was supposed to be fixing my fridge and it wasn't his fault. He was doing the best he could, but you know, we don't want to create harm. We need to learn how to make amends when we have done something that might've uh, hurt another person and, and then move on. I mean, don't beat ourselves up, you know, give you, treat yourself like you would treat a friend. You know, these mm-hmm. things happen. You know, I would, you know, I use these, this language with myself, like I would a friend. I totally understandable. I can totally see why you lost your temper. That makes perfect sense. Now let's let it go. Now what? Move on. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the, like the now what, what do you do next is the important thing. Yes. So maybe you, maybe you, maybe you did something that you consider screwing up. Okay. Well let that go. And what, is, what is your next move? That's the only thing we can do. What's the next best thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. And um, I just find that such a peaceful way to live. I'm not beating myself up all the time anymore. Cause that was, that That's was hard. 45 years. And it's just, you know, it's not nice. We don't yes. treat other people like that. So let's treat ourselves with a little kindness and love too. Yeah. And that fits so nicely within the normal, but not optimal. It's normal to do this, but it's not optimal. And that question, so what are you going to do next? Whether it is the redistribution of weight, whether it's the loss of libido, when it's feeling like you're crazy, whether it's beating yourself up or vaginal dryness or having a relationship that you're not happy with, or realizing that you've made horrible parenting mistakes or horrible career mistakes, what are you going to do next? Yeah. So the beautiful thing about life is every single moment you get a chance to start over. And I love that teaching and it might be every day, or it might even be every breath. Like we have a chance to start over and completely reinvent ourselves every single moment. And it's never too late to do that. Uh, no matter where you are in life, I have uh, women see me who are in their seventies who have not had any sexual desire for goodness knows how long, and it's never too late. Mm-hmm. So um, no matter where you are in your life, as far as your age or your where you are in the menopause spectrum, uh, all of these things can be optimized, whatever symptoms you're experiencing that are not feeling optimal for you. And you don't have to be like anybody else, uh, no. whatever feel good for you. 
is something you want to address. There's no perfect age to be right now. I think 53 is pretty much the perfect age. Now right. culture says it's 25 or whatever. I don't know, but to me, uh, 53 is great. So it's, it's your, uh, your painting to paint, right? But if there's part of what's going on that is not fulfilling your, I talk about our true genius or our, you know, really what sings to your soul, like what, what is it that you feel that you were put here to do? And that might be in terms of relationship or career or service to others or parenting, whatever it is. In as much as we're not living in that space quite a bit, we can't live there all the time. I mean, I've still got to do no. this and pay bills and things like that. But at least spending a good part of our time and it may be after work. Sometimes our job isn't our true genius and we do that after work. Um, but in as much as we're not living in that space, you know, open up to the possibility that you could live in that space, you know, and just, just, I think the belief that, so as far as the next step in sort of going back to coaching, how to get what you want kind of ideas. And first of all, we've got to believe that we can get what we want and believe that it exists. And then we've mm -hmm. got to make decisions to move towards it. Because sometimes I find if there's something that I want, I'm acting like I really don't believe it exists. You know, just say weight, for example, which is such a common one. Um, I might be, you know, I say, I might say, okay, I really want to lose some weight to be healthier, not to be skinny or look uh, great in a bikini. Just, I need to maybe lose some weight to be healthier because I might be developing diabetes or what have you, mm -hmm. but I'm not acting in a way that suggests that I believe that that's possible. So I think that's just a mind shift. We've got to believe that it's possible. And so many times I see people, women in particular, who are, you know, they're might say they want something, but uh, one of the sayings I like is that uh, what we're committed to will show up in our results. Yeah. Pill to swallow, but um, what we're committed to will show up in our results. So I committed, for example, on January 1st to not drink any alcohol for a month. Mm -hmm. Like most New Year's resolutions that didn't happen. And uh, about a week later, I changed my mind. So it turns out I was not committed to giving up alcohol that showed up in my results. So that might be a silly example, but you know, I think we really have to think about, you know, are we really committed to these things that we say that we want? And right. Maybe, maybe we're not. And that's okay. It's not a failure. It's just renegotiating. So I renegotiated and said, okay, well, I gave up alcohol for a week. I changed my mind. That's fine. I didn't fail. I just renegotiated. Mm -hmm. But if there's something you really want, are you know, are you really committed to it? Are you really doing the things that somebody would do if they really wanted to achieve that goal? And oftentimes when I ask that question, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really committed and that's okay. I it is okay. I'm not really committed to this. Let's maybe try something else. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break for a commercial. And then when we come back, I want to go a little bit further into that, hit the spiritual end. And then what I also want to address is some solutions because sometimes listeners, women, all of us think, okay, you're telling me it's normal. I know it's not op op you know, optimal, but I don't know what it is that I'm supposed to commit to. So we will be right back. And when we come back, we will find out some of those practical, hey, you can commit to this. Stick with us. We'll be right back. To all the women who have cried in the shower, smiled when they wanted to scream and couldn't wait to get home and unhook their bra. 
Flaunt is the definitive guidebook on how to get back in touch with who you are underneath your labels, roles, and scripts. Fall in love with yourself right now. Breathe life into the dreams you left behind and live each day with uninhibited joy. Pick up a copy of Laura Cheadle's number one best-selling book, Flaunt. Drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, and spiritual self wherever books are sold. It's available in print, digital, and audio formats and comes with two downloadable meditations. And we are back with Dr. Susan Hardwick-Smith, and we are talking about all things menopause, health, life, sex, personal development from about, oh, whatever, late 30s and beyond. The first half of the show, we kind of went through some of the things that can, quote unquote, go wrong with your body as you get a little bit older. And while they are normal, they are not optimal. This half of the show, we're going to talk about some of the things that you actually can do. Some of those things that you can shift your mindset around, that you can shift your spirit around, that you can take practical steps to commit to so you can live in a way that is the most optimal for you. Okay. I love how we left off right before the break, how we were talking about really committing to things. You gave an example, and I do think it was a good example, that you're not going to drink alcohol. It's going to be this dry January. And then you think, eh, not really that interested. Renegotiate that. And you change it. Sometimes I think people know that they want to change, but they don't really know what's possible. Like they might say, my weight is weird. I'm not keeping as much muscle mass. I'm getting belly fat. I'm not feeling libido. My libido is totally tanked. I don't really know what I want. Maybe I want to have a healthier, happier sex life, but I don't know if it's my partner, myself, my body. What can I even aspire to? Yeah. So sometimes it can feel so much. I, and, and I love that idea that yeah, it feels so confusing. And I'll just say, you know, when we're in our 40s and around 50, all kinds of stuff's happening, right? Our kids are getting older, our parents might be sick and dying, our hormones are changing, our relationships are changing, our weight's changing, we might be developing physical limitations or illnesses ourselves. And it it just sometimes feels like we're going crazy. But um, what can we do? First of all, um, whatever age you are, there are lots of things that you can do. And so just starting from that point of view, I want you to believe, I, I want you to do what you want to do, but I wish for you to believe <laughs> that you can live in an optimal state throughout your life and that just keeps getting better. So some of the things that um, I do, I'm a, a gynecologist and I focus on sexual medicine for women over 40, um, as well as hormonal management. Optimizing your hormones is so important. And so for me um, personally, and I, I'm a person who takes hormone replacement. Uh, I realize this is a controversial topic for some people, but only because there's a whole lot of nonsense out there. I'll tell you, I could talk to anyone who wants to about uh, plenty of science behind how safe it is to use biologically identical hormones for hormone optimization as these things change throughout our life. So from 40 on, as our hormones change, 
most of those changes do not feel pleasant for most of us. Now, if you're someone who feels great, uh, more power to you, but many of us don't. And so um, before we do anything else or while we're doing other everything else, optimizing our hormones for me feels critical because right. uh, I can't, you know, and this is another silly example, but if you had a Ferrari and we're like a million times more complex than a Ferrari, you wouldn't put cheap gas in it and not put oil in it. You have to provide this incredibly complex machine with the, the tools that it needs to operate. So when we lose progesterone, which is the first one, and then later lose estrogen and testosterone declines throughout our lives, our machine, if we want to call the human a machine, just mm -hmm. cannot operate optimally. It doesn't work. And so right. optimization is um, an amazing way to start to feel better. Um, followed by recognizing that our brain is our biggest sex organ. So I joke that we can make your hormones in your vagina like the fanciest on earth, but if your brain isn't into it, nothing's going to work. So in my study, the two biggest libido killers outside of hormone imbalance for women in our age group were body image issues. We don't feel sexy when we're not comfortable with our body and True. resentment. And resentment was, uh, as somebody who's been divorced, um, I understand that very well, that not wanting to be physically close to somebody that I was just pissed off at. And I didn't want to talk about it because I wasn't wanting to open that can of worms, but just living in this like world where I wasn't speaking my truth. Mm -hmm. And so just bottled up with resentment, that's a libido killer. So if, if you have that in your relationships, we've got to find ways to clear that. And that might require a third party, like a psychologist, or just learning some communication skills so that we can, in a kind and, and not angry manner, voice our true selves so that we don't feel like we're living in a box full of resentment, because that is going to kill your sex life. So those are the two pearls of wisdom I would give you right away to optimize your hormones, clear resentment, and then become comfortable with your body, whatever that takes. Maybe you don't have to change your weight. Maybe you do, but whatever it takes for you to learn to love your body so that you're not uh, bound by body image issues, preventing you from being free. Because to me, this is all about freedom. Yes. I want to be able to walk around my house naked and I want to be able to have sex on top, underneath, sideways and not worry about my body. And I want to wear a bikini and who cares what I look like. That's freedom. And anything short of that is, is not freedom, right? We're not, we can't, I can't do this. I can't do that. Any of the, I can't things. Yes. Are like freedom. Yes. So true. So true. And you have mentioned this in your book and I really appreciated it as well too. Plastic surgery is available. It's not that you have to do it. It's not that you should look a certain way. It doesn't make you more worthy or more valuable, but you've got a skincare line that helps. Plastic surgery is an option. Um, you know, diet, working out, there's all of these things that are options. You know, you talked about the vaginal, you know, tightening that there's that injection that I actually didn't know about until I read your book about the platelet-rich platelet hormones being injected. There's all these options out there. Who knew? And it's not that you're cheating, but if it's going to make you feel better, why not? If having breast augmentation or a tummy tuck makes you feel better, have at it. 
Totally. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I'm someone who's had, I had twins and I had a, and I'm very fit and I'm an athlete, but I had this baggy roll of skin and I had it removed. And now I feel comfortable. I don't have to hold my hands around my waist when I'm going to the swimming pool. I mean, it just gave me freedom so I could travel where I want. I don't have to stuff this thing into all kinds of spanks every minute. And, you know, for me, that dramatically improved my self-confidence and it wasn't for anyone else it was just for me yes so do you have to do that of course you don't but for me that was the choice that I made so there are things that we can do you know and I I think it when there are some people who are critical of those type of things you're, you're going to run into naysayers and that's okay because they can live their own life but you get to live yours yes um, and you know many of us color out here I do I whiten my teeth I use Botox I mean we do many of us do these things to help us to feel more confident and it's nobody else's business and you do what's right for you. And um, maybe you don't want to do those things and that's great too. So right. we all have a very uh, individual relationship with ourself and we own ourself and, and we get to make those decisions. And there are these amazing things that we can do now. And um, right before this um, talk, I was telling Laura, I was just seeing a patient and we were doing platelet-rich plasma injections. And um, that's an amazing thing that you can do to improve blood flow and sensation in the vagina. We actually inject it into the clitoris and just very quickly platelet-rich plasma is your own blood. So you can't have any side effects from it. It's spun down to create this uh, little, little golden nugget that we call um, the platelet-rich plasma, which has no red cells or white cells in it. And the job of that stuff is to heal uh, wounded tissue. So it thinks it's doing that and it brings in new blood vessels, new collagen, new nerves. And so we see if you put it in your head, it makes hair grow back. If you put it in your face, it's like a mini facelift. If you put it in your clitoris and vagina, it restores blood flow, moisture, sensation, innervation. So these are things that you can do. And so do you have to do those things? Of course not, but you can. So all these options are out there um, to help us if we feel like we're not living optimally. And so uh, I think we have to be our own advocates. We've got to do some searching on the internet. We've got to listen to shows like this and just sort of keep our ears open for what's out there. And, you know, maybe politely listen to people that might criticize what your decisions are, but you don't have to please anyone else. You're just here to live your own life. So let it be yours. Mm -hmm. And you had mentioned earlier, you know, talking with other women. And I know that you were available for consultations, for coaching, for, you know, all, so am I. So are so many other women. And just to be able to have that connection and that conversation is very helpful. And in your book, you talk about the study that you did. And again, it's just comforting to read, oh, there's a hundred other women who think this. There's a hundred other women who feel this. There's 200 other women that have done this. That is so important. And I'd like right now to just take a quick pause and have you share your contact information. So the listeners, if they're thinking, oh, I want to learn about this, can find you and can learn more. Mm -hmm. So I'm on, on the internet. I live on uh, drsusan.com, D-R-S-U-S-E-N.com. And that links to my practice and book and podcast and all those other fun things. And one of the things you'll see is that I have a women's circle every first Thursday of the month at 630 Central. And a women's circle is just what you're talking about, Laura. It's, I think it's so important. And I did not realize this until I was in my 40s 
to talk really openly and honestly with other women, just so that we can normalize what's going on and not feel like something's wrong with me. And there's this beautiful thing that happens when women share these really deeply vulnerable stories. I mean, sometimes women have told things in the circle that they've never told anybody. And just the, the relief that comes from that when you feel accepted by other women, they didn't reject you. They didn't say you they didn't judge you we just listen and it's such an it's that's one of my favorite things that i do actually um the women's circle it's in houston that's where i live it's also on zoom but we actually have uh 20 people sit outside a bonfire at my house and we have it on zoom for those who can't come to houston but it you know hopefully in the future we'll be able to have bigger events in person but there's something so magical about connecting with other women and listening to their stories Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not me talking it's not a lecture it's everybody sharing just to realize that we're not alone and this is amazing sense of connection um which kind of ties back into my um fascination with sex because you know any type of connection with another human being whether it's a close female friend or if we're heterosexual with our male partners and to just get a little woo woo and spiritual for me it feels like a portal into understanding the interconnectedness of everything. And if that yes. sounds like too much to swallow, you can just stick with the connection with that one person. But, you know, my deep spiritual understanding is that we are all inherently interconnected and we forget that sometimes and we feel so alone and we think we're alone and we're just not. And anything that can remind us that we're not alone, like a women's circle or this conversation or sexual intercourse with our beautiful partner. And I don't just mean vaginal intercourse, like any kind of sexual interaction. I call that just intimate physical connection. Mm -hmm. Not all of us can have vaginal intercourse, not all of us like it, but just being physically connected with another person is just, it's a portal into the fact that we are all connected. And so yeah, uh, drsusan.com, drsusan.com. You can learn all about those kind of fun things. Um, and we'd love to have you come to our women's circle. You can be on Zoom if you're not close by. Yeah, I want to come too, because <laughs> that's not, that, that's amazing. And at the end of my burlesque and bubbly, we spend about 10 minutes talking. And that's that, that's not a full women's circle, because but, but it's like a mini circle. And you're right. That is that spiritual piece. And this is exactly where I wanted to end the show, was with that spirituality. That spirituality is not religion. It's connecting to something greater than ourselves, and something greater than ourselves is just another person and thank you for saying it's just intimate contact it can be any kind of intimate contact it can be so much but it's so important that's where all the good stuff is i can tell you in my experience you know and i have had a wonderful life and i wouldn't change anything but i think the first 45 years were just practicing to get to where i am now because i didn't know any of this stuff you know but we have to gather all these little uh crumbs along the way right to build who we can ultimately become but my thought about the purpose of life right now and i don't know everything i'll probably change my mind next year but is just to become the best version of ourselves that we're put here to be and to find our true genius and to share that with others and to recognize that we're not alone, that we're all part of this incredible, great consciousness soup and any way that we can share that in one way is through sexuality, which is what I wrote my book about because I was so blown open because I was just sexually asleep for mm -hmm. real. And then I 
woke up. And many of us in our age group have these waking up experiences. And mine was particularly in, in the field of sexuality. But after that happened, then just waking up to possibility in every field, I changed my career. I mean, I shifted in a different direction. I started doing women's circles. I used to just deliver babies and do surgery. I was just a straight up regular doctor and nothing wrong with that, but I didn't see any other possibility for my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I see nothing but possibility. I can't wait to be 60 and 70 because I don't know what's going to happen. And it's like a kid at Christmas. It's like, oh my gosh, like how great is it to be alive? And you're talking to someone who in my mid forties had a little while where I didn't know if I even wanted to be alive. So can completely change. So wherever you are, it's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. And um, it feels permanent, but nothing's permanent. And sometimes if it feels dark, it's not the end of the story. On the other hand, if it feels fantastic, it's also not the end of the story. So just soak up every second of it. Yes. Uh, And so if we can live that way, and I don't live that way all the time, not even this morning, as I mentioned, Nope. but um, when we can live in that way, even for just brief moments, we know it's possible, right? So that is where the good stuff is. And that's why that term woke is so brilliant because we grow up thinking sex is one thing, relationships are one thing, bodies are one thing. And then all of a sudden we go, oh, this is totally different. Sex is a spiritual act. Sex is this interconnected. It has to do with spirit and love and connection. Whoa, I didn't get that. And even with the bodies, for me, I had this shift because I was kind of a perfectionist, not kind of, I was a perfectionist with my body. Yeah, because I was a dancer and I'd be like, oh, there's a half an ounce of fat right here. And it's just awful and it's horrible. And Mm -hmm. I'm way more confident in my body now, even though my body is objectively worse, because I was woke to the fact that it's about how I feel and it's about how I express and move. It's not about how it looks. Don't get me wrong. I like to look good. I, I will lose weight for purely cosmetic reasons because I like the way that I look, but my most important thing is how I feel. And that is what I will commit to much in a much deeper way. If I feel too heavy and my joints are aching, bam, I will lose those five pounds because I don't feel good. Whereas if it's, I want to lose five pounds because I want to look better. Yes, that's motivating, but not in the same way. Yeah. It's just, it's just another level of depth. I think it's, a, you know, we're all a little bit shallow when we're younger and I'm totally. most, no judgment. It's, it's part of being young. I have teenagers. They're so shallow, but they're teenagers. They're supposed to be, this is all normal. It's like, this is the human experience and we're all in it. And I can promise you, there's not one single thing that you or I have ever thought, felt, or experienced that somebody else hasn't felt before. You know, we're, we're all part of the same human consciousness soup and it's so beautiful to share that with other people and I'm so delighted that you um, invited me to be part of this conversation today and I want to come do yoga less you've got to show me how and I'm coming absolutely yeah absolutely we'll do yoga less and I'll come to your women's circle and we will continue to intersect all of these circles with all of these women. And together we're going to elevate not only the consciousness of each other, but the consciousness of the planet as well, because this is truly what it's about. This is that interconnectedness in mind, in body, in spirit, waking up, connecting and rising together.
Beautiful. I love it. Yes. Elevate. Let's do it. Yes. Let's do that. So listeners, please reach out to me, reach out drsusan.com. Is that correct? drsusan.com. Dr. Susan and grab her book, Sexually Awoke, Awaken, Awaken, I I can't read my own writing, (laughs) Awaken to the best sex life in midlife. So whether you are in midlife, beyond midlife, or you're going to be in midlife, this is the book, this is the conversation, this is the person to connect with for you. Have an amazing week. And as usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network. Overcome the need to please and find the uninhibited joy of being exactly who you are right now. Come find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more and get your free gift at lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com.